So, you've done it. You've just now willfully committed some sort of capital offense against a holy God. But here's the thing, you didn't actually pluck the fruit from the forbidden tree. You were thinking about it. Technically, you're not committing any sins, but your heart, your mind, is in the wrong place. You need saving, but where do you turn? So, last time we talked about how God was merciful to me when I nursed an embarrassing sin. Doubt. Even though I was heavily doubting God's existence, God himself let me know that I can tell him exactly what was going on in my mind. Doubt no longer posed as a stronghold for the enemy in my mind. I shared this story as an example of how to wait on God and act faithfully in the face of your own sin. However, I wanted to extend this principle to lifelong sin patterns. Remember how I wanted to go through four kinds of sins because I couldn't make up my mind? We just went through thoughts that you know are wrong to have, but you just can't push them away. The next topic was sinful thoughts you've had your whole life but recently realized were sinful. But I kind of want to change that to um, any sinful thoughts that you've had throughout your whole life. The reason I separated them is because the way that you uh, confront those two types of thought sins um, is a little bit different. And I wanted to cover that in this podcast episode. The last two are action sins that you didn't know was sinful until after the fact. And then action sins that you knew were messed up, yet you rationalized it and then you did it. I'll talk about those two at the very end of the episode real quick. In this podcast episode, we're focusing on lifelong sin strongholds. For this podcast episode, I'm going to dive into the topic of idolatry of marriage. That is right. I'm going to share with y'all how God is validating and continually reordering my own personal good desire for marriage. Yes, it's very personal. Um, I hope that nothing that I say is new or jaw-dropping. Honestly, it's just going to be the word of God and may his truth give you joy. Let's get to it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I am not the smartest person that I know. Actually, I'm the biggest idiot that I know. And the Lord gives me a lot of grace and help. um, And he loves me. But I didn't know a lot before I was a Christian. And I didn't know. I don't know a lot right now. I'm not going to lie. Everything I know is from him. So (laughs) I just wanted to say that to preface um, what I'm about to say about how I grew up. So growing up, I've always kicked myself for feeling anything romantic towards anybody. I've always had this notion that hand-holding, opposite-sex hugging, and kissing were just inappropriate, sinful, or even disgusting. I'm not supposed to be wanting those things. I don't know where I got this notion from, but because of this and many other things, I shamed myself constantly for wanting to be in a romantic relationship. When I became a Christian at 17... Um, Things did not get easier, obviously. I used any preconceived notions or stereotypes I had about Christianity to interpret scripture. Um, And that did not help with the whole shaming myself for, you know, wanting to to hug a boy. So, for example, take Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. On the surface, it looks like Paul is saying that there is something inside of us and sinful nature that produces bad desires and passions, which is true. Praise the Lord. To me, however, I just assume that all desires uh, were sinful and that all of me is just bad. However, that is not what the verse is saying. If you look just before in verse 16, Paul says, if you walk by the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Meaning the particulars of which uh, sin to avoid is none of your business. 
just focus on the Holy Spirit. Plus, he has put his Holy Spirit inside of you so that you have the ability to please God constantly. If you abide in Christ Jesus, if you get in God's presence, the Holy Spirit inside of you will spring forth some awesome fruit, meaning not everything that comes out of you is bad. In fact, even if you're not a Christian, not everything that comes out of you is bad. Of course, the Holy Spirit is not in there to produce fruits of righteousness, but because God made all people in his image, nobody is 100% bad which is part of the reason why I can say that the Lord loved non-Christian me, okay? So my interpretation was wrong. Again, nothing that I say here is new, okay? If you want to deeper dive into this topic, Tim Keller has an awesome talk on YouTube called The Scope of Glory. I highly recommend. I might even plug it in the newsletter. But anyway, the key principle here is that no person, and therefore not all desires, are completely bad. That was key for me to heal from all of my pent-up shame surrounding any of my desires, whether it be my desire for food, my desire to dance, my desire for close female friendships. What if all of those were God-given desires? What if it's okay to want something or someone that's not God himself? And side note, I'm not saying that every single desire that we have is God-given. It's God-allowed for sure. Like my same-sex attraction, I view that as God-allowed, but that doesn't make it good or part of God's design. You see, just saying that my desire for marriage is idolatrous was not helpful for me. No matter how hard I tried to erase it, it was always there. There is a place where that desire is good, and there's a place where that desire goes too far, as with any desire. Honestly, I believe that God designed people to enjoy things for his glory, and you can see that all over the Bible, okay? Let's specifically look at Ecclesiastes 3.12. The writer says that he perceived there is nothing better for man to do than to be joyful and do good. One commentator on this verse says that it is good to be cheerful and enjoy the blessing of life in a comfortable way with a thankful heart, and here's the key, especially rejoice in spiritual things, above all rejoicing in Christ. So friends, eating, drinking, and being merry is awesome, but it is so much better to do these things unto the Lord. Again, nothing new. So how do you get to a place where you desire marriage unto the glory of God? Practice. Practicing joy is one of my favorite things to do, you guys. Back to testimony time. When I graduated from college in 2021, I was all about the rejoicing. After realizing that I had OCD and that was destroying me and my brain and destroying my happiness in the Lord, I was going to enjoy every single thing, every single mundane part of life. I rejoiced at every single piece of furniture I bought, every new dish that I made, every new task at work, and it was scary to be so free, but it was fun. During that time, I really wanted to, let's just say, get married. Let's just say it in the holy way, get married. I'm not going to lie. But God knew my heart, and I knew that God knew my heart. And he was not going to let me die with unmet desires. And I really mean that. I'm going to tackle that uh, later on. So fall 2021 rolls by, then winter. And now it's spring 2022. Y'all, I'm still single, okay? Throughout the months, I've been very vocal with the Lord about my desires. But every single time, just before I despair of the thought that I'll never have what I long for, God meets me with hope that I'm going to be married to him one day, that I can enjoy our relationship now. 
if that promise doesn't calm me down for whatever reason, he's trained me to rejoice. He's trained me to look up from the problem and stare at what I do have. People that I can talk to, things that I can be doing with all of my glorious free time. Y'all, it's not easy. It can be very tricky to be grateful for being single and yet hoping that the Lord has marriage in his future for you. But each time that I despair, I notice that it gets easier and easier to rejoice in what I do have. And at this point, you guys, I am shocked that right now the prospect of getting married, honestly, it doesn't excite me like it used to. I am underwhelmed when I think about marriage. And I think that maybe, maybe I could be idolizing marriage less and less. I don't know. I don't know if that's what that feels like. I just hope that one day you will enjoy your relationship with the Lord and love it more than anything else in this world, including marriage, and still ask for marriage. Before I go, I want to hit on some key points that I think are very helpful. They've been helpful to me. Number one, if you are ever ashamed about your desire for a romantic relationship, always, always, always go before God and thank him for the desire. It will change how you view yourself. Number two, marriage is not like food. It's not a need, okay? It's not even promised to every single Christian. It's more like a lovely side piece to your God-glorifying journey to the wedding feast in heaven. It will sanctify the crap out of you, and then you're gonna die like, you know, polished gold, ready to be married to your one true husband. If you don't want marriage, then you don't have to do anything with that, okay? If you do want marriage as a nice side piece, then desire it. Ask the Lord for it. Whether it be on earth or in heaven one day with the Lord, he will satisfy the desire. So I know know that earthly marriage is not like heavenly marriage, but there are other earthly relationships that you can be enjoying between now and heaven. Number three, if you have same-sex attraction, thank God for those desires. Not for the desires in themselves, but the fact that he allowed you to have those to give you a window into the minds of LGBT folk who could be seeking the Lord. You have something that many Christians don't have, and because they don't have that, they cannot understand certain people that God might want in his kingdom. Plus, you have a fire testimony to share with believers and unbelievers to bolster their faith or to get them interested in the Lord. So thank God for it. Number four, let's talk about the desire for SEX, okay? Using the lovely fire metaphor that every pastor uses. Literally any tip that applies to marriage applies to the fire. When the burn comes, thank the Lord for the burn. Kindly ask him to help you to remain faithful to your main man, Jesus. Do what you can so that when the heat is on, you don't fan the flames. God meant those flames to engulf two people in a very specific circumstance, and the majority of y'all are not there, okay? My friends, do not play yourself. You already know 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit? Your life, your body, your soul, it's not yours. It is all for the Lord. You've been baptized into his kingdom. Act like you said yes to the Lord and keep your yes. Stay away from that flame. Stay away. And that, friends, is what I got on how to bring good desires to the Lord's feet. Good and, I can't do that right now, desires to the Lord's feet. Awesome. So a while ago, I said that I would go through four categories of sinfulness, and I'm going to talk about the last two. Sin actions that you didn't know was sinful after the fact, and sin actions that you deliberately chose to do. That first sin action can happen when 
uh, something in the Bible is not very clear, or maybe you're confused, and then you touch the fire, and you're like, oh, wow, that was hot. That was really bad. Oh, my gosh, what I just do? And then the second type of action sin is pretty straightforward. You're like, I know that that's fire. I don't really care. For me right now, the pros outweigh the cons, so I'm going to do it. Oh, I didn't keep my yes to my one husband. Well, that sucks. Honestly, a lot of what I said already in this When You've Gone Too Far series can be applied to any of these two action sins as well. You go before God, you remember his grace and mercy, you apologize, you move on, keep your yes, right? So I know making yourself feel more guilty will just show that you don't believe that Jesus paid it all. So move on. He paid it all. And that's all there is to it. Because it's that simple, I don't think that a part three or four is needed. So this concludes our series. Thank you guys for being on this journey with me, and I hope that all this was edifying to the glory of God. Bye-bye.